Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. My name is Delton. I'll be your host this evening, and with me, as usual, is my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. Hello, hello, hello. The Malthouse Games Podcast is a podcast all about tabletop games, board games, card games, role-playing games, things of that sort, and also, of course, beer. I like beer, and I like trucks, and I like cats, and I like ducks. Give me a glass. I shouldn't ask, because I like beer. Now give it here. Are you making this up because it's terrible? Yes, I'm making it up as I go. I don't. I almost don't believe it. I am I now. I feel like a, you've written this before. I no. I just. I mean, I might have said I like beer and I like trucks, and something about ducks. But that's about all. Because there's a song, uh, an old country song, that says, I like little baby ducks, old pickup trucks, tomatoes on the vine, and watermelon wine. Watermelon wine just does not sound appetizing at all. There are multiple country songs about watermelon wine. For example, Watermelon Crawl. Say we got a hundred gallons of sweet red wine made from the sweetest watermelons on the vine. Help yourself to some, but obey the law. If you drink, don't drive, do the watermelon crawl. That sounds terrible. Like, the song sounds terrible. <laughs> Says the man who has a playlist that is half... Satan. Just because I like <laughs> good metal music. Okay? Good metal music. Satan. So the first beer today that I opened and poured during Haley's whatever that shit just was. Cultural uh, lesson. I don't think that's it at all. This is from Frenzy Brewing Co., who I've talked about before. It's my old boss's new brewing company. This is their American wheat ale called Quitcher Peachin. It is brewed with peaches. It is 5.6% alcohol by volume. There is no other text on this can to it describe it. Beautiful. There's some great geometric orange shapes on there. I am ready to give it a try. What does it smell like, Delty Poo? Give it a smell. That smells like a peach. Nothing else but a peach. It smells very, very peachy. It's got a good golden color. You can see through it pretty well. It's pretty clear. There's no haze. Wow. That is beer on the front of the tongue, peach on the back of the tongue, and peach skin as a finish. It does have that little bit of a slightly bitterness at the very, very finish. So, like, I was kind of expecting this to taste like those peach rings you buy at Outwoods. Yeah. You know, like in the bulk candy section. Yeah. But this actually tastes like a peach, not just like a, we're going to put in some peach-flavored schnapps into this bad boy and call it alcohol. No, it is, tastes like a peach beer. It just tastes like if you told somebody you had a peach beer, this is it. Like, it says American wheat ale. I get a little bit of that. It's not a sourness from wheat beers, but there's a little bit of a taste that you recognize in a wheat beer. I'm not getting that here because of all the peach. It's delightful. It is crisp as well. It is. It's very, very smooth mouthfeel. This is it's, a great end of summer beer. It is. It's not super carbonated, so it doesn't have that super like light, it's a hot day, I want to drink it feel, but it is. It's kind of that first step into fall. It's actually a perfect beer for this time of year. Now who's rhyming? Thank you, but it's really good. I actually really like this, and I'm not a big peach fan. But I think you're peachy. Thank you. But it's actually really good. As you're wearing your peach frenzy shirt. It's a pink one. It's not actually peach colored. It's pretty peachy. It was supposed to be the red, I think. It's I was going to get a pink one, but they didn't have the like bright pink in anything except for like the baby doll style with the weird sleeves. Yeah, the fitted shirts that every company sells the women. Yep. That's all they had, I think, in the pink. Or they were just out. One of the two, but every I time, picked the red. Every time I try to wear a fitted shirt, I end up looking like a 14-year-old. Like yes. I don't think they're... 
there's an adult woman who looks like an adult woman in a fitted shirt. I'm sure out there somewhere. Just not you. Just not me. <laughs> it makes me look younger to show off my curves. Is that what it is? Yes. Oh, okay, I get it. Your flat, straight sides curves. Yes. Oh my goodness. Anyway, welcome to the podcast. Uh, what have we been up to lately, aside from work and playing board games? Some TV. My sister and my niece came up. Yep. I got to see my little lake and bake. She is three years old. She is my little buddy. I have converted her to be a cat person against her mother's wishes, and she loves to come see Aunt Haley's titties. That's what she calls the cats. She yep. can't say kitties. Nope. I want to see Aunt Haley's titties. I'm like, all right. I was going to clarify that fact, <laughs> like quickly once I caught it. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's weird. Uh, we went to a restaurant back before COVID times, and it was my uh, mom, dad, sister, brother-in-law, and my niece, and of course, Delty Poo and I. And uh, I told, I kept telling Lakin, tell, tell Pop Pop, which is my dad, her grandpa, tell Pop Pop what you saw the day. And Lakin, with the biggest grin and her loudest three-year-old voice, goes, I saw it, hey, hey, titties. <laughs> it was a pretty good reaction. <laughs> it was pretty good. Uh, it's so funny. Little kids talk so dumb. I love to corrupt them. Yeah. It's my job as aunt. It's a great job to have. I think you're good at it is why. I, I really do. Like, I befriend them easily, and then I will... I will, they're just cute enough to get away with stuff. So you gotta, you gotta yeah. teach them enough shenanigans up to their cute level. Like the cuter they are, like the younger they are, the more they can get a- away with stuff. That's very true. Then you have to teach them to be crafty when they get older. Yep. Your time will come, Lakin. Your time will come. <laughs> One of these days. We got the wrestling pay per view tomorrow night. We do. It'll be the day before this releases. We will have watched the big pay per view from AEW. Very excited. Orange Cassidy retweeted me a while back, and Dan Housen liked my tweet, so pretty excited about that. Haley's getting all the attention on Twitter. All the, like, if attention was singular. True. All the attention. Just one. One single attention. But that's been about all we've been up to. Work, normal life, playing games, things like that. Making up songs and educating y'all about watermelon wine. And I think that's about it. We haven't done a whole lot, but we have played several board games and by that i mean several plays of a single board game so i say we dive right in splash oh here's the door it's straight ahead it's it's a game so today we are going to be discussing calico calico is a board game i backed on kickstarter the fall of 2019 because i got to see the physical prototype at gen con I had knew about it going in. Sadly, you could not play it at Gen Con. However, I signed up for the mailing list and was ready when this game was coming out and when it was going to hit uh, Kickstarter. So saying that, I have a Kickstarter copy. I do not know if there are any quality changes uh, from the Kickstarter to the retail edition. I don't know any of that stuff. So you'll just have to, I guess, take a look at a retail copy if you decide to. And take our word for it that it is awesome. I wouldn't doubt if the quality is the same. I really wouldn't, but I don't know. So I guess ours does have a Kickstarter promo, so that's to be said. Anyway, Calico is the new game designed by Kevin Russ, and it was created from Flat Out Games, but it is uh, being published, and basically they are assisting Flat Out in publishing it, which is Alderac Entertainment Group, otherwise known as AEG. So, the art direction, administration, and marketing is Molly Johnson. Development and logistics is David Iezzi. Graphic design, marketing, and development is Dylan Mangini. 
Development, Administration, and Logistics is Robert Melvin. Design, Graphic Design, Development, and Marketing is Kevin Russ. Project Management, Production, Development, Marketing, Sean Stankiewicz. We have the Director of Projects as Nicholas Bongui, and Production is David Lepore. The one credit I am not seeing in the rulebook, and I may just be missing it, but I feel definitely needs to be said, is great artwork from the wonderful, as always, Beth Sobel. All the cats in this game, and yes, there are plenty of them, are soft and adorable kitties. And you can tell it's Beth Sobel doing a lot of that work because she always have, has the softest style in her art. Uh, but I don't see it on the back of the rulebook here under art, or it, under the credits. It is on the Kickstarter, and these kitties look very warm. So, unless I'm missing something, because nothing on here says art, you just have art direction. But I'm pretty sure it's Beth Sobel, and I don't know if somebody else helped out or not, but... I'm just going to point that out. Anyway, let's get to the actual game itself now. Calico is essentially the newest cat-themed game, and it's the newest puzzly game that we have already fallen in love with. Oh, this is definitely a new favorite. I played it once, and I said, Delton, I have to play this again, and we played it three or four times after that. So the idea of Calico is you are sewing a quilt and trying to make the comfiest and softest quilt to attract cats to your quilt. So different kitties have different preferences. So every game, the kitties will be assigned a different patch print, and so your kitty might want uh, three patch prints in a row, or seven, or they might want some other design, but it's beautiful. It really is. So the way the game's going to play, everybody has their own player board. You will have two tiles in your starting hand. You will choose from the six different goals you will basically end up with three of them on your board and they're things you have to build around all the tiles are uh, hexagonal so six-sided tiles and the way it's going to work is on your turn you place one of the two tiles from your hand onto your board somewhere and then you will take one of the three in the middle of the table into your hand refill the table back to three and then the next player goes as Haley said you will be trying to take these pattern tiles to attract cats so the tiles are two different things. They have a one of six colors or one of six patterns, I guess, and. So it could be a purple polka dot. It could be a red line. It could be a blue floral. It could be a green, whatever the fleur-de-lis is. It could be another red one, but now a floral, basically like that. So there are three of each of those um, sets. So there's three red polka dots in it bag of tiles so what it is is those are for different reasons the pattern on them will attract cats if done in a certain way as Haley said one of the cats wants three of the same pattern in a straight line so three polka dots does not matter the color as long as they're in a straight line boom you get to grab a cat that's worth points and put it on your quilt that is being sewn the other things is you will have three gold tiles on your personal player board and they are going to want you to have a combination of colors or patterns or both. Essentially, for the most simple one, on the little scoring tile, it says A-A-A-B-B-B. This means it wants three of one color and three of another color, or three of one pattern and three of another pattern, or if you're really good, you can make it three of one color and three of another color and three of two different patterns, getting the maximum value points. But it's very difficult. And that's going to be majority of the game. You do get bonuses. If you can get three colors together, you get a little button that's going to be worth three points at the end. And you are going to take 22 turns in this game. Every single game, every single player will 
place 22 tiles on their board. It's never going to change from that amount. And you try to have the most points. You try to build the most connections for the cats to come out, have the most buttons, and then hopefully fulfill those extremely difficult gold tiles. And my goodness, this game immediately starts to burn your brain when you play it. And I think that's what makes it so great is the minute you start, you're going, oh, okay. Uh, And it's just so good. This is another one of those games that is very easy to learn, but very difficult to master. So like you can play this probably with a 12-year-old niece or nephew. You can play this with uh, inexperienced board gaming friends. It is adorable. It is delightful, but it's also challenging enough to keep everybody engaged. I think so. I really do. I think one thing that I really like about it is the goal tiles. The goal tiles you have on your own player board, the fact that you can do only color to fulfill its requirement for points or only the pattern to fulfill it is awesome because if you don't get both, which is worth It's only in a couple spaces worth double. It's almost always just worth like 50% more points. So it's not huge. But if you can't, which is like most of the time, it's nice that you can at least get one of those and still feel like you succeeded in some way. Right. So I enjoy that. You're going to want to get both, but you don't. And I love that. And I love the fact that there are six of those tiles and you're only going to use three because it'll be changing every game and you can change up your strategy and you can try new placements on them as well. Because the board is not equal for each of them. Like their placement on the board. One of them is very tight in a corner. Another one is kind of central. And then the other one has a huge open space around two sides. There are two things that I really appreciate about this game. Is one, that it takes a lot of planning. And two, that the objectives change every game. So in terms of planning, have you found as much as I have that you have a plan and for the most part you can stick to it but it's like toward the last five or six turns that you really have to start sacrificing? So I found that I have to focus on one plan at a time. The first two or three times I played this game, I tried to go for, okay, I got to do this here, I got to do this here, but I have to collect all these kitties here, and I end up getting very few of anything. But once I started focusing on one thing at a time, like one goal tile, okay, that sets me up for earning one kitty here. That's whenever I started to see an increase in points. I could see that where you're focusing in small bits to kind of kind of doing like a checklist. That's a pretty good way to do it. I have been having the problem where I try to look at the whole picture at once and be like, all right, in a perfect scenario. And then I go for it and I fail horribly, horribly fail. And I think that's one of the fun things about this, though, is that you can approach it in a couple different manners. However, you must change that up so often. And since there's only three tiles on the table that come out like that are for you to choose at the end of your turn. You also have to adapt to that, and so I, I do like that as well. I've had a game where I've won where I focus solely or ex- um, almost exclusively on the goal tiles, and I've also had a game that I won where I focused on getting kitties. So, like, there's multiple angles that you can take. I bet there's a middle ground that's, like, the perfect, like, way to do it. I just bet it's extremely hard to get to. That just means we have to play this 80 or 90 more times this week. I don't know about this week, but maybe. There's still, what, 36 hours left? Almost? It depends on if your week starts on uh, Monday or Sunday, depending on who you talk to. Uh, okay. And it's a three-day weekend. Happy Labor Day, y'all. Happy Labor Day. Anyway, this game has been super, super fun. I also, one thing I do want to say, the very high point cats are almost too difficult for me. So yeah. the higher point cats, so you have cats with cute names like Coconut and Almond. Shop Cat. Shop Cat was the Kickstarter, one of the Kickstarter expansion ones. But 
the basic cats are like, you know, we just need three tiles touching each other of the same pattern. Or, hey, we want three in a little triangle shape or something like that. One of the big cats, though, is like, hey, we want six of these in a straight line. And you're like, ugh, that's really complicated. That's so hard to do because that's like an entire game's worth of planning. And not everybody can get that because there's a limited number of that pattern. Basically, every single color pattern combo is in the game three times. So red polka dots, there's three red polka dots. There's three blue polka dots. There's three purple polka dots. So if you're playing a four-player game and everyone went for the same pattern, now you're starting to struggle. So the longer the game goes, the more you can statistically check, okay, Haley's got two of the floral dark purple. I don't have any of them, and that's the one tile I need to perfectly finish this gold tile or to get this cat. It just makes it complicated. But some of those high-point cats are really hard to achieve. See, and that's what I appreciate because with all the lower point cats, like you can get multiple Callies. She's worth, what, four or five points? I think she's worth four. You can get like three or four of those in the game easily. But the longer ones like Shop Cat, you might not get one in the game. But I still love that challenge of having to try to work towards it. It gives you something to focus on. Right. But because the tiles change so much between, so we'll get into this more in a minute, but uh, game by game, the cats want different patterns. And so you're never going to have, I mean, so it's, it's rare that you're going to have the same cat wanting the same patterns every round. Um, the only time whenever that really goes wrong is whenever you're thinking that you're going for one tile, but you end up buying six different tiles of the wrong pattern and laying them all on the row beautifully and waiting, just waiting patiently and happily for that 11 points only to be crushed to death because you're like, snap, I looked at the wrong pattern. And Haley has done this like twice in a game now. I have. By it, God, I have. That is one thing that I would say... For someone that has a hard time recognizing differences in patterns, this could be very hard because they're not all oriented the same way when tiles are turned and stuff like that. And there's been times I've looked at a pattern and thought it was another one and then realized it last second, like, oh, wait, that's this one, not this one. That can be a little difficult. And I think once you hit the number of like six patterns and you want them to be, you know, interesting and unique, but I think it's just the fact that two of them are kind of a floral, like one's a leaf and one's more of a floral pattern but they're they can be similar next to each other especially in the same color but anyway that's fine also i just realized beth sobel's name is on the front of the box but it's still not on the rule book which was oh weird because i go off the rule book credits but it's sitting right in front of us too it's sitting right there it says illustrated by beth sobel so <laughs> it's on there on the cover it's not in the rule book the cover is probably more important however i would like that in the rule book please thanks Anyway, yes, this game has been super fun. It, you're just playing tiles and building these little puzzles and trying to figure out the best way to use patterns versus colors or colors here or patterns there. I will say one more thing I really enjoy, the edge of your player board. So the player board is like, instead of just being one piece of like cardstock, like a thick cardboard cardstock, where you put your tiles on top, it actually has a second layer on top that provides the border that helps hold your pieces in place. So if you bump the table and it's full, nothing is going to move. Or if Steve jumps on the table in the middle of the game, you're pretty safe. You're mostly safe. What I really like, though, is the edge of this that creates the border for your tiles has images of these patterns and colors, and those actually do work when connecting patterns for cats, colors for buttons. And I thought that was a really nice inclusion because it makes it just a wee bit easier to get certain goals, but it also makes you almost... It could ruin it for you in some ways and make it better because... If a cat requires four in a row, no matter how they're in, touching, I guess four together in a group, no matter how they're touching for a cat, 
and it's a certain pattern piece, you could start it where that pattern's on the border, but maybe you've just screwed something else up because of it in the long term. So I do like that you kind of have to decide where to put it, but you can get a little bit of a push, a little bit help from that border. I think the big thing to remember with this game is that there's no such thing as the perfect quilt. That is the truest statement. But even without a perfect quilt, you will attract many kitties. I like it. I like it a lot. So I think that's, I don't really know that I have much more to say about Calico without actually rambling at this point. I really, really like the game. I think it's a great puzzler. It's going to fit into the same realm as things like Sagrada, things like Azul, which are like the main two big popular games in that kind of like colorful, but puzzly, but you know, gonna work your mind over, but also be kind of simple and you can introduce people. There, It's in that same world, but it definitely stands on its own and I really, really like it. Plus kitties. Plus kitties. In the words of Lakin, I love those kitties. You love the kitties. I think this game is going to get the glass clink. Clink, clink, clink. We finished our beers, at least this first one, but by golly, I say pick up Calico from Flat Out Games and AEG. Seconded. So as I was saying, this game has what we would call varying objectives from game to game. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So before we talk about object variants, changing goals, changing variants, object goals, let's drink another beer. And today we have a beer from Tupps Brewery. I have never heard of Tupps Brewery from Texas until today. Uh, I don't actually know where they're from. I'm trying to find it here on their can. Texas. Thank you. It is from... Oh, nope, that just is their website. I don't actually see a city, but that's okay. Haley, you can find it on your phone real fast. I'll look it up. So this is Neon Shades. It is a sour ale brewed with passion fruit, orange, and guava. It is 5.2% alcohol by volume. It says, packed with electrifying tropical fruit and a sour punch that'll make your legs shiver, Neon Shades is refreshing, fruit-forward, and will make you feel like you're sitting by the beach in Vegas. Uh, It has a couple categories here, and each of them are out of five. Malt profile, body, is one out of five. Fruit flavors, passion fruit, four out of five. Orange, two out of five. Guava, three out of five. Sour level, three out of five. And it has a pair of Kanye glasses circa 2008 on the front. Those like louvered sunglasses? Hell yeah, brother. And it's very bright neon colors. And this is out of McKinney, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. I had a friend... Well, I guess, I guess you call, it was my dorm neighbor in college. One of his roommates was from McKinney, and that's where I learned where McKinney was. That's also where I first heard the term, quit your bitchin'. Oh, really? Yeah. I've heard that a ton of times. So, it, oh man, it all ties together. We got quit, quit your, your peachin'. peachin'. McKinney, Texas. Oh my God. It's happening. It's happening. So this beer has a very light, pale yellow color. It does have some haze to it. You can see through it, kind of. You can get general shape, but that's about it. Let's give it a whiff. Ooh. Oh, it smells really sour in a weird way. Whoa, man. Is that the passion fruit that I'm smelling? That is definitely the passion fruit. Hold on. I, let me let me place this. I don't know what passion fruit really tastes like on its own. So I have no clue, like a frame of I have no frame of reference. This smells like the mystery flavor of Airheads we got at the movie theater when I first started working there when I was 15. 
the Y Airheads. How is it that you can remember the Airheads from back when you were tw- in 2015, but on the way home from picking up cat food today, you were trying to say the lyrics to some song and you're like, and then and the beer and the horses. <laughs> it was another country How? song. It was Rodeo by Garth Brooks. And I remembered most of the lyrics to the chorus, but not all of them because some of it was blocked out. Because honestly, I haven't listened to that song since I was about eight years old. It's probably good. That's like the last time that song sounded badass to me. As it should have only been then. So now I wish I could enter that Airheads contest of, what is this flavor? Because this is definitely the flavor, and it is that passion fruit. All right, taste this thing. Taste it right now. Wow. It is a non-lingering sour. It doesn't hit you in the backside. Incorrect. It hits you right under the tongue after you swallow. That's what she said. By God, that's what happens. So it doesn't to me, so that's kind of weird. To me, it's like when you put the tip of your tongue on a warhead, but... There's no more to it after that. Like, it, it it dies down as I swallow, and then it's gone. Because I swallowed it, and it's in my belly, but... No, man, after you swallow, it just, like, lights up the back of your tongue. Like, Chris Angel Mind Freak on a ramp going across the Grand Canyon. This will light up your tongue. <laughs> if you have not seen it, and you want to waste, but also gain, the most amazing five minutes of your life... Two minutes and 40 seconds, thank you. No, it was like five minutes. No, I looked at it. It was like five minutes, or at least four minutes and something. That's fine. Anyway, go to YouTube and look up Chris Angel, and like the first recommended video is Grand Canyon Jump. It's like a five-minute video. It is some of the dumbest and most hilarious things to watch. I don't know why I love it so much, because it's so bad, and that's what makes it funny, but the fact that there's a video next to it of somebody breaking down how it's not real. (laughs) But that image... Of yeah. his little golf cart going off the ramp and bursting in the flames until he gets into that cage being oh, suspended by a helicopter. That is a visual representation of what is going on on your tongue whenever you drink this beer. Okay, there you go. There's your frame of reference, everyone. It's it's a five minutes that is very worth it if you want a good laugh. Or 2008-era Airheads mystery flavor. I guess that's true. So the flavor's <laughs> very sour. The mouth feels nice. It's not too carbonated. Like, it's really not too carbonated. It's smooth. It finishes clean. Haley, I think, thinks it's a little too sour for her. No, it just took me a hot second. Oh. Like, and it took me back. I had to, like, place the flavor. I really like it. As I said, I have no reference for passion fruit, so I don't know what the flavor is. I'm sure they still have those airheads at the Elk City Movie Theater. <laughs> They're the same ones from the year you were there. They sure were. They're hard as a rock. By God, <laughs> they taste just like this. But this is a very good beer. I like this a lot. This is not a fall beer. This is a summer beer. Hell, I forgot what we were talking about now. We got lost in the beer. The topic for today is varying objectives in board games. And by varying objectives, it means pretty much what it sounds like. In a game where you are trying to compete for the most points, you have some objective you're going for. And I don't mean... I guess I need to explain this in a better way. In Calico, you have several objectives, right? Everybody has the four... There's four different cats that you can go for, and you can get multiples of each on the board. And you... Everybody has three, aside from the first game you play, three different tiles, scoring tiles, on your personal player board. Every game you play, the cats are different if you shuffle them around. The types of patterns needed for each cat, or the uh, I guess the, yeah, the types of patterns are different. And then the scoring tiles on your board are three of the possible six, and the placement of those can all vary. 
So that's what we mean by varying objectives is the objectives in this game, yes, it's to have the most points. But in this game, the way in which you get those points changes every game, which means you have to adapt your strategy every single game. You have to go, okay, last time I had AAABBB as a score tile and AABBCD and the one where it's none of them can be equal. This time I've got, you know, this one, this one, and I happen to have AAABBB again. How can I organize them on my board to try to get the most points out of all of them? And then you look at the cats and go, okay, well, last time we had this cat, which was three of anything, or three pattern in any, like, manner of touching, and you can get the cat. But now it's this this specific pattern, so where can I find that to fit on my board in that pattern? Maybe I can use the border. And you have to change up how you're going to approach the game. And I think that's something that's very fun in a lot of games. It keeps the game fresh. Like, we've played it four or five times now, and we have not played the same game twice. No, we have not. Not at all. And so it really, it keeps the game fresh, and it keeps you having to adjust your strategy each time, too, which I think levels the playing field whenever you're playing with new players. Because if you're playing with the same goals in mind over and over and over and over and over again, you can develop a strategy quicker. But if the goals and the objectives change every single game, and whenever you sit down, I mean, yes, you might get some repeats every so many games. I have to do some fraction math there, but I'm not going to do. But it keeps it fresh, and it keeps it level, so that way when you have a new player, you guys are kind of at the same starting line. I agree, and that's a really good way to look at it. Because in a game like I mentioned earlier, this is kind of like Sagrada and Azul. Sagrada is like this, where, yes, you're all playing the same game. However, the objectives for the group are changed every time. And your personal objective can be different, which means you're going to approach how you're playing because of that. It's going to change each time. Where something like Azul has the exact same play style, the objectives are the same, the way you play is the same. Everything is identical every single time unless you use the varied backside. And that's going to mean the only difference is the interaction of who drafts what in Azul. Right, and the randomness of what's drawn. Exactly, but that's it. The objective itself is identical for everyone. And I think that's something I've... I like that because you can become very good at a game like that. But I also enjoy a game like this, I think, more because I don't have to... I'm not just going to win because I've played it more. I'm going to win because I played it better that game. Yes, you can have an advantage with experience in the game, but I do like in a game that has varying objectives that it, like you said, it levels the playing field a little bit more. I want to be better per game. I don't necessarily want to be better at the game because that makes it not as much fun for the other players. Right. And I like with, with this game too, like you have a very small drafting pool every round. And so it's not like you have this huge array of pieces to choose from. You're very limited. And so you have to be very strategic in your, in your planning. And so whenever the goals change or the variants change on top of this randomness and you know what you're able to draft for, it really makes a different game each round and each game. That's very true because the tiles, like I said, there's only three tiles out. So every time on your turn, you play one of the two in your hand and you pick up one of the three on the table that you'll have to play next turn. And only having three out makes it rough because then by the time it comes back around to you, maybe only one of those changed. In a two-player game, only one of those has changed. In a three- to or four-player game, potentially all three could be different tiles. So you kind of have to adapt based on what people choose a little bit as well. But I just, I don't know, there's something about that the objectives in this game too that just feel, even though they vary, they always feel, even though some of the cats are difficult, they always feel good. Yes. Like the objectives feel fair, they feel fun, they feel achievable, even if very difficult in some of the cats' cases. 
And so I think that's why we're really drawn to these variable objective games, because it keeps the game fresher longer. It does add a replayability. Unless you're a person that really gets like, if you sink your teeth into a game and want to play it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Like master it. And master the game itself. That's one thing. But if you want to play a game over and over and over again, and you want the experience to differ little by little, I think that's where varying objectives is a great idea. And a lot of games have something like this, right? A lot of games have objectives that are stagnant and they stay the same, or they have objectives that are all changing. And some games blend the two where they have a little bit of both. They have objectives that will forever be the exact same, but then they'll have these little bonus things or little pieces that alter each game. So I think it's just good. I think varying objectives is a good way to design a lot of games because it does, it keeps it fresh for replayability it keeps it level playing field, as Haley said, and I just think it's a lot of fun. And cats. Speaking of cats. And now, join us for a Malt House Games podcast special, Bite Size Question. So the question for today is very simple. It's very goofy. It is very on target for us. What is your favorite cat-themed game or favorite cats in a game? So just to clarify... We are talking about the cats of the game, not the game itself. Correct. The artwork cats. I really like Tyrannosaurus Rex's Holiday. T-Rex's Holiday. It's a fun little roll and write game that I don't think we've talked about on the podcast. Maybe we did. I don't know. Delton ordered it from Taiwan for me. Yes. And had to actually go to the post office to pick it up like we're in 1887. I did. They had to hold on to it after it came in. Uh, For some reason, I guess because it was imported. It took forever to get here, but I got it to you for Christmas. And it is wonderful. My choice, I think mainly for goofiness, I don't know, I really like the cats in Calico, and I do like the cats in T-Rex's Holiday, but in the same package, we got Kung Fur Fight. Oh my goodness. Which was the game we played at BGGCon last year, and surprisingly, we haven't actually opened and played this copy that I bought you for Christmas yet, but they're ninja cats, and there's something about ninja cats that is just hilarious to me. And I think we have another game, Kitten Clash. Yes, Kitten Clash. That has ninja cats as well as like pirate cats or something. Yeah, that one's at the Um, therapy office. Okay, but Kung Fu Fight, I love the artwork. I love the look of the game and the cats in it. I mean, I love the monk dogs. I think those are great too. But the cats in that one, I just being ninja cats and the way they're drawn, I really like that. I think that is going to wrap up the game, the topic, and the question. All that's left now is our wonderful shout outs. I just want to say this is like the first time in about 10 episodes you haven't said, we're going to try and keep this episode short, and it is also our shortest episode we've had in a while. It really is, but it's one of those things where, you know, when the game isn't super complicated, it's like I could keep going forever if I wanted to, but I'm trying not to uh, saturate with a tons of ideas and stuff. I don't know. You know, it's hard. It's hard to do. I can, I can blabber on forever if I want. We should just do that. Dalton Haley blabber on forever. A new podcast. (laughs) This is our blabber episode. (laughs) Nice. Anyway, to the shout outs. This is a shout out to our wonderful Patreon backers. Thank you, Allison, Alan, Jesse, Catherine, Cliff, and Jennifer. Woo! Thank you, guys. Thank you all for backing us on Patreon. If you want to be like them and be amazing and help us keep this podcast going, keep us improving and being able to upgrade equipment and things like that, 
you can go to patreon.com slash malthousegames, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S games. If you have a game you want us to talk about or want us to look at, a topic you want us to discuss, or a question for us to answer on the show, make sure to shoot those over to us, contact at malthousegames.com. You can also look us up on all social media at Malthouse Games. You can find me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. You can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. At Squirrely Geek. I kind of felt like I sound like a dolphin just now. You really did. Pretty, I'm evolving. Pretty, pretty accurate with your little swoopy hair that's poked up because your headphones. Excuse me, you forgot to tell everybody that you have a ponytail now. I don't have a ponytail. You, I have basically a top knot. You have a ponytail. It's fine. It's just the top of my head. I shaved the sides, left the top long. It's cute as a bug. It is more comfortable not having hair in my face, and I can also still have longer hair to style it if I want. The Wardlow. It's basically Wardlow, except not as long. He's got really long hair. You'll get there. I believe in you. One of these days if I want. Anyway, I think that's going to be it for this episode. Thank you again for tuning in and listening to the Malthouse Games podcast. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening. And please be sure to follow us on social media and retweet and give us five stars on iTunes and do all the nice stuff that we want you to do because we're selfish. Yeah, <laughs> we're shellfish. We are shellfish, and that's what it comes down to. I'm a mollusk. A mollusk? A mollusk. Nice. A bivalve. Thank you again for tuning in <laughs> and listening. Until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you folks later. We'll clam up now. Bye. Bye.